is with Jesus Christ. Where is Jesus Christ this morning? We, we read in the scripture after his, after his resurrection, just shortly after his resurrection, he was seen out on top of the mountain. And the Bible said he was taken up and he was received up into the clouds. How many have ever read that in the Bible? And the Bible said as they stood there and they watched him being taken up into the clouds, being received up into the clouds, there were two men in white apparel that, that came and spoke to those people and said, why are you standing here and why are you gazing? This same Jesus that you see going up, he's coming again in like manner. He's coming to receive the church. He's coming to, to call the church out of this sin-sick, sin-cursed, sin-diseased world. And we are headed to a place called heaven. If you believe there's a heaven this morning, I want you to put your hands together and give God a praise for that place. The book of John, the 14th chapter, we're going to spend a few moments there and then we're going to go into the book of Revelation. But I want you to see something that I think is significantly important for Jesus was teaching his disciples. And he says this, let not your heart be troubled. Amen. How many of you know we are living in a troubled time? We are living in troubled times. The Bible calls the days that you and I are living in perilous times, meaning that, that trouble and, and, and all of these things are at an all-time unprecedented high. But John, or Jesus teaching his disciples said, let not your heart be troubled. When you see all of the calamity, when you see all of the chaos, when you hear of all of the murders and all of the hatred and the unsettledness in this world that you and I are living in, the Bible teaches us that we are not to allow ourselves to be overtaken with concern because the Bible said when you see all of these things coming to pass, lift up your head because your redemption draw nigh. What he's really saying is when we began to see all of the things that we are currently seeing in our day and time, we need to get excited in our heart and our spirit because very soon Jesus is coming to catch away the church. We don't hear much preaching about that anymore because we want to live a good life, stay here and go to heaven and live a better life. But I'm promising you this morning on the authority of God's word, there's a day coming when God is going to take us out of this troubled world. I ministered the other night on the fact that God hath not appointed you and I unto wrath. If you want to hang around and go through the tribulation, when you get to heaven, just come and tell me how it was. Because I don't plan to be here when everything is being poured out upon this earth. And you don't want to be here either. But God said not to let our heart be troubled. He says, listen, if you have believed in God, believe also in me. What he is doing in this portion of scripture is establishing a means and a method whereby we can escape the tribulation and we can escape the wrath of God that is being poured out upon this earth. Now as we get further down into this portion of scripture, John says we don't know where you're going. And if we did know where you're going, we don't know how to get there. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to me except he come through and or no man cometh to the Father except he comes through and by me. How many of you know this morning that Jesus is the way to heaven? Come on, help me. How many of you know that Jesus, because of his vicarious death, because of his suffering, and because of what he paid for on Calvary this morning, that is the way for you and I to get to heaven? And Jesus said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. What was he doing? He was establishing the fact that he was God incarnate in the flesh. 
Second verse, for he says, now watch this because this is significantly important. He says, listen, in my father's house, he is establishing the fact that God was his father. Amen. He said, in my father's house are many what? Cabins. Amen. I don't know about you, but I believe when we get to heaven, we won't have to worry about termites. How many agree with me? I believe when we get to heaven, we won't have to worry about your drains getting stopped up and you have to wrestle. I've been fighting that for a while now. Amen. I know there's a, there's a, there's a group of people you can call and they'll take care of that, but they cost you a lot of money. Amen. But he says, listen, in this place called heaven, there, is, there are mansions, and that word mansions literally means there are dwelling places. There are pleasantness or places of residency where you and I are going to live forever and forever. Are you with me this morning? And what Jesus says, if it were not so, if it was not true, then I would tell you. How many of you know that he is not a man that he can lie? And I believe with all of my heart this morning, if there was not a place called heaven, then the Spirit of God would inform us. There would be instructions into us. There would be scriptures that would affirm the fact that heaven doesn't exist, that it's just a myth, that it's just an idea in somebody's mind, and it's just a preconceived thought. But I'm telling you this morning, there is a city. There is a place called heaven. And in that city, the Bible said there are mansions we're going to look at this city for just a few moments and talk about the beauty and the splendor of this city. And Jesus said, if it were not true, if there were no place for you to go, if there was no life after death, if it was the fact that once you quit breathing on this earth and your, your quit breathing was the cessation of life, he would say, I would have not have told you. In other words, what he's saying was, I would not have built you up in your spirit to make you to think that if you live righteous and if you live holy, there is no provision made for you in the life hereafter. I believe there is an eternal life. I believe there is a life after this life. Can I get an amen in this house? I believe there is a place where we're all going to live throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. Amen. I believe when we take you down here and bury you in the, in the cemetery, that that's not the end of it. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. But after that, then we're going to stand before God. We're going to give an account of the life that we have lived here on earth. How many of you know the life that you are living, you are currently, or the, the life that you are currently living, your attitudes, your, your actions, and, and all the things that you do? You are going to stand before God, and you're going to give an account of the life that you are living while you're upon this earth. But Jesus said, listen, you need to have an expectancy. You need to have an excitement in your life. How many of you know sometimes, you ever watch marketing strategies? Huh? And they have a way, if they're trying to convince you to buy their product, then they have a way through marketing strategies to present it to where it looks like. You've seen them little commercials? You know, how many of you ever watched that Flex Seal commercial? Anybody ever watch that? Anybody ever buying that stuff? Have you ever, have you ever watched those commercials? They start out, Brother Blaine, with everything being 1995. But wait, if you order now, we will throw in a second order. All you got to do is pay an additional shipping and handling. Amen. You know what they're trying to do? 
They're trying to entice you to buy their product, to invest in their company more or less, because they know that what they're trying to sell you is so far, far fetched that you can't even comprehend that it being able to do what they say it will do. My question is if it's such a good product, won't they put it in Walmart? Why don't they put it somewhere where people have access to it instead of having to order it from some uh, overstocked warehouse somewhere? And when we think about heaven, if I can just explain it this way, the explanation that is given to you and I about heaven is for one purpose. Do you know what God is trying to get us to do? God is trying to get us to believe and God is trying to get us to receive that, that the fact that, that, that living for Him and serving Him is a far better life than anything else in this world. And He says, if you will serve me, I have to bear a place for you that where I am there you may be also. You know what He's trying to do? He's trying to persuade us to live for God while we're here upon this earth. Heaven is one of the great fringe benefits of a Christian this morning. How many will agree with me on that? You can't earn heaven. You can't buy heaven. Heaven is given to you because of your relationship and because of your walk and your position in Christ. Let me say it this way. Heaven is a prepared place. How many of you know that everybody is not going to heaven? I'm going to tell you, you can walk out here and talk about anybody and they'll tell you, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Good people are not going to heaven, folks. Jesus said it this way. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Just people coming to church does not guarantee that they're going to go to heaven. Those that are going to go to heaven are those that have accepted Jesus Christ and have put their faith and their trust in Him and they are living for Him on a consistent basis. So heaven is a prepared place for a unique people. Jesus said that we were unique. He said we were a little bit strange. Now I've said that about a lot of you. But Jesus said we were all unique. And we were strange because we're not like the world. Now, let's move along because they sung, they, they took up a lot of my time this morning by singing, so I don't have a lot of time to preach. But watch this. In first, verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, he makes a promise. I will come again, and I will receive unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go you, and the way you know. And then Thomas speaks up and he says unto him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus says in verse 6 unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no man cometh to the Father except through and by me. So he established the way for all mankind. Let me tell you something. The gospel does not discriminate. It does not discriminate against nationality. It does not discriminate against race or creed or ethnicity or anything. The gospel is the gospel. It does not discriminate against anybody, but it has made a way for all humanity to come back to the Father. Amen? How many of you believe that this morning? Man, you all are dead. How many of you believe that God has made a way? 
We were dead in trespasses and sin. We were alienated. We had no access. We had no legal right. We had no legal claim to the kingdom of God. But through the blood of Jesus Christ, through him dying on the cross, through him being buried in the borrowed tomb, and on that third and glorious morning, him coming out of the grave victorious over death, over hell, and over the grave. And because he ascended and he is seated right now at the right hand of the majesty on high, he has become my my great high priest. I don't have to try to go through man. I don't have to come through church denomination and church creeds and all of these different things that everybody tries to get us to do. We simply come through the faith in Jesus Christ. Come on, give God a praise for the fact that through the faith in the Son of God, we are going to inherit the kingdom of God. So John tells us, Jesus has told his disciples that he has made a place for us. Hallelujah. The Bible said, I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither had it entered into the heart of men what God has in store for those who trust him. But he says, through the Spirit, you see, we are not ignorant to the fact. How many has ever been to heaven? I cannot stand here this morning and boast and brag about the fact that I've been to heaven. I was, I was talking to Mama yesterday, and I, just, I like to talk to her every now and then because every now and then I can get a little bit of input. And I said, Mama, have you ever been to heaven? She said, no. And none of us in this room have ever been to heaven. But by faith, you remember when, when, when Jesus uh, 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 resurrected from the dead and his disciples were locked behind closed doors and Jesus came walking through the wall or through the door ever how he got in the room he manifested himself in the presence of his disciples they were locked behind closed doors brother Blaine because they were afraid and Jesus said here I am boys I've done exactly what I said. I told you I was going to raise on the third morning. And here I am. Now look at me. And they accepted him. And they believed him. Thomas not being there on that particular event, that particular time. Later came and they said, Thomas, you should have been here. Because Jesus came and manifested himself in the midst. And you know what Thomas said? Except I can touch him except I can feel him. I will not believe. And all of a sudden, Jesus manifested himself the second time in the room. And he gave an invitation to Thomas, and he said, Thomas, come, thrust your hands, thrust your fingers in the wound in my side. See that I am alive. See that I am real. See that I am who I said that I was. And Thomas did that, and the Bible said, and he believed. But Jesus told Thomas, he said, Thomas, blessed are those who have, not, who have seen and believe. But more blessed are those who have not seen, but yet they believe. Let me tell you something. We've never been to heaven. But by faith through the eyes of faith, we believe there is a city that Jesus has gone to prepare. It is under construction. And the Bible said that one day by faith, we are going to see that city. And we are going to enjoy the splendor and the blessings of all of heaven. And I'm going to do something, church. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet this morning. 
Because I don't know who in the world is not tired of this sin-cursed, sin-sick, sin-diseased world. If you're thinking that the election in, eight, in 16 days is going to fix our problem, you better, you better slap yourself upside the head. It's amazing to me how we've got a nation as great as we are and we can't find no better people to run than the two we got. Oh, forgive me, I didn't mean to go there. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just telling you, we're living in a day of ignorance. And I'm going to tell you, and I'll tell you again, I told you last Sunday, this thing is not going to get better. I know that ain't what you want to hear. This thing is not going to get better. We are headed for that day, the day of the Lord, when the trumpet of God is going to sound and the church is going to leave this place and then immediately or sometime within a short period of time after the church leaves this world, the seven years of tribulation is going to be poured out upon this. I'm not going to preach about that. I'm preaching about heaven. All I'm telling you is heaven is a prepared place for the people who have trusted in God to escape that moment and that time on the earth. Well, let's go. You want to know what heaven is like? Jesus had a disciple by the name of John. Anybody remember John? What was John's name? What was he called? He was called the Beloved. For the Bible said that he laid his head upon Jesus' shoulder. He was close. He was the youngest disciple that Jesus ever had. He was 16 years old when he started following Jesus. And he stayed true and faithful through all of Jesus' earthly ministry. But there came a time in John's life when he was approximately 90 years old. And the Bible said that he was arrested. Now watch this. He was arrested and he was dipped in oil, boiling oil. And then he was exiled to a place called Patmos, the Isle of Patmos. Anybody ever heard of that? And the beauty of the Isle of Patmos is the fact that God gave John an opportunity. He gave John a revelation. The revelation that he gave was the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he said that John received this revelation. And in this revelation, John had an opportunity. He was caught up in the Spirit. Somebody shout Spirit. Woo. He was caught up in the Spirit into the third heaven. And when you think about the heavens, it's talking about like we know the heavens, the atmosphere that, the, that sort of encompasses the, the world. And then we have another realm, the heavenlies, where uh, the, 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 uh, the, the planets and the, and the stars and all. But there is a place beyond all of that that's called the third heaven, and that is where God dwells. Amen? And John, while he was, uh, while he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, was caught up in the Spirit. Now, I want you to go to the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation. And just for a moment, I'm not going to have time to get it all, but I'm going to give you just a quick glimpse of heaven and what's going on in heaven. Let me tell you this while you're turning there. The Bible says today that we are encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses. Those that have died in Christ, those that are asleep in Christ, they are watching you and I as we run our race and as we live for God while we're upon this world. And the Bible said that we 
should be encouraged because there is a great compass, there is a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that we got a cheering team this morning? We're not in this race by ourselves. Some of you look like you've been fighting the devil all by yourself. But I can tell you this morning, there is a multitude of a heavenly host. There is a great cloud of witnesses that if you could see them with your spiritual or your natural eye and hear them with your natural ear, you would hear them say, it's worth it all. Don't give up. Keep on running. All of the pain and the suffering and the discomfort that you may have to go through in this world, when you get to the city of God, it's all going to be worth it. Woo! I'm going to have me some church up in here. Some of you all have got you've got loved ones that have gone on that you know. I think of Brother Johnny Humphrey, Teresa. I knew I know that man made it to heaven. I think about my grandparents and on both sides of my family. They were godly people. They, they suffered a, a, for their faith. But they made it with all of my heart. I believe they made it. And the Bible says there's coming a day. Sister Robin, there's coming a day when we are going to be reunited with all of our loved ones who have gone before us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we have this great cloud of witnesses that's saying, listen, you can't quit. If you could only imagine, hallelujah, if in your mind you could only imagine the splendor of heaven, if you could only envision what heaven is really like, if you could only enjoy the peace and the tranquility of all that we are enjoying, You would join in the song. You would sing in the song. You would encourage other people. But watch this as we go to the fourth chapter of the book of Revelations. And John talks about a moment while he is on the Isle of Patmos when he is caught up in the Spirit. Listen to what he says. And after this I looked and behold a a door was opened in the heavens. And there was a voice, or the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. Let me tell you something, folks. Heaven or earth in the condition that it is right now is not heaven. If you could go to some of the greatest places in this world, if you could get yourself and hide yourself away. Some people flee to the mountains trying to he, trying to flee all of the hardships and the difficulties of life. They're looking for peace. They're looking for tranquility in their soul. But let me tell you something. No matter where you go on this earth, this place, this earth is not heaven. Somebody shout amen. If it's heaven, I don't want to go. Amen. But watch what John saw. And John said, I saw this door open. Now, I I believe the door that he saw and the event that he is seeing in this fourth chapter is the snatching away or the catching away of the church because after the fourth chapter of the book of Revelations, the church is never mentioned again until the Lord comes the second time. Watch this. And just grab 
if you will, and I'm trying to hurry. And watch this. And he said, immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne. What did he see when he got to heaven? Now, everybody sort of talks about, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? Oh, I'm going to look up Granny, and I'm going to look up Grandpa. Let me tell you, you know what John saw? When he saw heaven, the first thing he saw in the midst of heaven was a throne. Do you know what the throne was? It was the place where Elohim, where God dwelled, where God said the throne was encompassed with light. And he that sat upon the throne, look at the description that he gives of this individual that sits upon the throne. Do you know who this individual is? He is God Almighty. And John said, and I saw a throne. And he that sat upon the throne was like a jasper and a sardis stone. And there was a rainbow about the throne and in, the, and in sight like unto an emerald. What was he talking about? He, you know, you remember when Moses... The Bible said, and Moses desired to see God. And God told Moses, said, Moses, no man has ever looked upon my glory, Brother Joe, and live. And Moses was so persistent. God, I want to see your glory. I want to see you. I want to know you. And God said, here's what I will do for you, Moses. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to put my hand over the cleft in the rock. And I'm going to pass by. But you're never going to be able to look upon the, the entirety of my beauty and the brilliance of my light. And he says, as I go by, I'm going to allow you see me as I pass by. Let me tell you something. And when that day, when we get to the city of God... You know why John was able to look upon the beauty of God's glory? Because he was in the Spirit. You know what, Sister Thornsbury? When the rapture of the church takes place, when the redeemed of the Lord are called home, guess what? We're not going to be in this physical body. For this mortal could not stand the very presence and the glory of God. When we get to the city of God, we are going there in a new glorified body. Woo, hallelujah. That's what the resurrection is all about. Well, the Bible says, Paul writes and he says, you are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. This is going to put on immortality. This corruption is going to be put on incorruption. And we are going to be caught up and we are ever going to live in the presence of our God. And then and only then will you be able, just like John, to enjoy the glory of God in the fullness. So there is a throne in the midst, and he that sits up on the can you just see this? Now, he's not talking about a rainbow coalition here either. He's talking about the beauty of heaven, the bright lights of heaven. It looked like a rainbow. How many of you know that rainbows are beautiful? I don't know what it is about a rainbow, but every time I see one, I just stop and look at it and think how wonderful it is because it was the covenant that God made with man. So let's go on here for just a few moments. And around, and watch this in verse 4. And the continuing portions of this, this, this uh, fourth chapter all the way down through the 11th, cha- 11th verse. And again, by no means am I going to get to everything that's going on in heaven. But this one thing I want to point out to you. He saw the throne. He saw he that sat upon the throne. He saw the beauty and the magnificency and the power of God. And the thing that John began to write about, he saw those living creatures. He saw the four and twenty elders that were around the throne. 
You know what's going on in heaven this morning, church? The very same thing that ought to be going on in this house. For John says that as I began to behold these beasts and these created beasts, these living beasts, these living creatures, not hideous beasts as you read about during the, 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 the seven years or the last three and a half years of the great tribulation. But he was talking about created beings, angelic hosts, angelic beings, and the four and twenty elders that represented the twelve nations or the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is the picture that he painted. And I beheld, and what they were doing, there was worship. (laughs) There was worship continually going on in heaven. Have you ever thought about the worship in heaven? Have you ever... Try to imagine in your mind the worship that is being lavished upon. Man, they've been there forever. They've been there for eternity. And they are continually worshiping. We get bored if we have to stay 30 minutes and worship God. Can I tell you in heaven this morning There is worship continually There is no night And there is no day But continually these these created beings And these four and twenty elders That are around the throne of God Are continually crying Holy, holy, holy holy Is the Lord God Almighty Which was In eternity past God had no beginning And guess what God has no ending and he says, they give, they give accolades to this one that sits upon the throne. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that just stirs something inside of my spirit this morning. They were saying, though he has existed and we do not know where he came from, we still understand that he is worthy. He is the creator of all creation. And he is the sustainer of all creation. But while he sits upon that throne, they were saying, holy Come on, say it with me. Holy. Come on, say it with me. Holy. Come on, shout it with me. Holy. 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 You know what they're doing? They are attributing to the characteristics of our God. The one thing that you need to remember about your God, He is absolutely holy. There is no holiness separate and apart from God. That's why the Bible said be you holy as he is holy as he is the image of holiness. And The Bible says and they are continually worshiping, bowing down before him. That's amazing to me because the bowing down signifies the humility of even these created beings. That's why I have a problem with these people that think they're going to march right up in the face of God and say, come on, Jesus, let's go over here and sit down and have tea time together. Brother, I'm going to tell you, when we get to heaven, we're going to spend eternity serving Him and worshiping Him and crying unto Him and acknowledging His characteristics. He is holy. Let me close. I know I haven't given you everything, but if you go to the 21st chapter of the book of Revelations and it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. You see, the Bible talks about that after the battle of Armageddon, 
After all things, all sin, after Satan has been bound for a thousand years and thrown into the bottomless pit, and then after the, the thousand years of millennial reign, after all of that has passed, he's going to be loosed for a season. But that's not the end. And I know I'm rampant, I'm, I'm going through this quite hurriedly. But the Bible said there is a kingdom age that's coming. There is an eternal age that's coming. There's a time when God is going to come back to this earth. Somebody hallelujah. This earth, listen to me folks, this earth is not going to be completely, totally and completely destroyed as we think of, the, of, the, of destruction. But it is going to be refined. It is the fire of God is going to burn out and to going to break the curse. How many of you know that this world is under a curse? That's why the Bible said when you hear of earthquakes and volcanoes and all of these, these catastrophic events, it is simply the earth is groaning and crying for that day to be set free from the curse that was pronounced upon it because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. The earth was not created, Brother Blaine, like we know it today. The earth was a place, that, a utopia of beauty and splendor and peace and all of that. But there is coming today, church, uh, you hear me, there's coming a day when the fire of God is going to purify this earth and it's going to make it new again. And the Bible said he is going to transfer heaven from, from where it is right now to the earth. It's called the new heaven and the new Jerusalem. And there is going to be righteousness. There is going to be holiness that's going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea, heaven. If you want a little better look of what all of heaven really looks like, read the 21st chapter, even though it talks of the new heaven and the new earth. But it talks about the refining of the earth. It talks about there's not going to be any more sorrow. This afternoon we're going to go to Bristol and we're going to go to a service that's going to recognize our grand, our, my father and others that were under hospice and ever think about thinking, God, I don't want to go. Because most of you touched my sorrow of death at one point in time. But I want to tell you something. In that city, there ain't going to be no more death. Ooh, there ain't going to be no more hospitals. There ain't going to be any more Murderers. The Bible says that God is going to wipe every tear from our eyes because the former things have all passed away. See, we need to realize that this life and our journey through this life at its best is temporary. There will never be a day when anybody will come to you and say, why does God allow bad things happen to good people in that city? Because there ain't going to be no bad things. Let me tell you, the Bible says that not one sin shall enter the kingdom of God. Think about it. You know what, you know what man's problem is today? It's not that we need a better society to live in. It's not that we need a better job, we need a bigger house, and we need a fancier car. Because I've seen people that had nothing, 
and become wealthy people, but it didn't fix their life. Amen? Amen? So the thing that is going on in this world, and we forget this so much, is that we're living in a sin-cursed world. And the thing that corrupts this world and the thing that separates man from God this morning is sin. The thing that's going to keep people, Sister Ginger, from enjoying the bliss and the splendor of that celestial city is sin. Because the Bible said no sin shall enter there. If God would allow sin to enter, then heaven would be as corrupt as the earth. Are you with me? But no sin. I don't care how much we try to excuse it. I don't care how much we deny it. You say, well, preacher, we all sin. Yes. But the thing that keeps people out of heaven is unconfessed, unrepented sin. Can I show you one more quick thing? Come to the music. Well, who's going to heaven? Let me tell you something. Heaven is not a hard place to get to. Because really all you have to do is to believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the book of Galatia, the fifth chapter, and I want you to listen to me real carefully. Because I really have a problem with this, and maybe it's just me. Because, you see, I take the Word of God at face value. Now, listen to me. I want you to hear this. You need to hear this. Diane and I spent almost five hours out yesterday and knocking on doors witnessing to people. I knocked on one door, introduced myself to this gentleman. He said, I remember you. I came to your youth program. I said, I don't remember you. Because I've had thousands of young people come through this place. And he said, my mother passed away a week and a half ago. I've been out of church, and I've, at one time I, I really went to church. and all this. The first mistake was this. The first mistake is to think that coming to church is going to make you a candidate to go to heaven. Somebody shout amen. Do you know there's people sitting in church pews all around this world today that when the trumpet of God will sound, they're still going to be sitting there? Let me move on. And I began to talk to him, and I simply asked him a question. Are you saved? What do you think his response was? Huh? You can talk to me. I went to church. I one time, I said, I didn't ask you if you went to church. I said, are you saved? What do you think his answer was? All the way. And then he proceeded to tell me how he was living with his fiancée. How many of you know what that's called? Anybody? Anybody? It's called fornication. It's called moral sin. Come on, I'm preaching better than you. Why is it that I can't get an amen out of this congregation? I'm preaching the truth. 
I'm going to heaven, but I'm living in I beg to differ with you. For the Bible says in the book of Galatians, the fifth chapter, and he begins to identify the sins of the flesh. You read it. Sister Bonesbury, I weep over this every day. I cry because I see young people who are caught up in the luster and the, the atmosphere of this world. And I reap, I weep tears. Now again, I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me. But as your pastor, I weep this morning because I see the system of this world taking our young people and dragging them into the bowels of hell. You know what Paul said? I've told you once, and I'm going to tell you again. They that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not being mean. I'm just giving you the truth. You know why I want to give you the truth this morning? Young people, do you know why your pastor wants to give you the truth? Because I am so concerned about your eternal destination. I'm concerned about the very fact, are you going to make it to heaven? Are you going to be ejected because of sin? Oh, we don't like to talk about sin. But when you start reading about heaven, when you start reading about the new heaven and the new earth that's coming down from God, when it gets here, do you know this? Oh, I'm preaching all over the place this morning, aren't I? I'm not trying to beat anybody. I'm trying to help us to wake up to realize that we've got a generation, that we've got a group of people who think they're going to heaven and have been deceived in their own heart and in their own mind. And the thing that troubles me is there is a broad way how many of you know the Bible says there are, two, there are two roads in life? There is a broad way that leadeth to destruction and many be that are upon that journey. But then he says there is a narrow way. There is a holy way. There is a way that is pleasing and acceptable unto our Heavenly Father. And you know what he says? Few be that are upon that way. Do you know today if you walk outside of this, there's almost 8 billion people living in the world. And sad to say today, but according to Scripture, the majority of those people are on the broad road. That ought to break our hearts. That ought to break our heart. I shouldn't be praying that you get a better career and have a better job and have all the money in the bank. That's wonderful. I don't have a problem with that. But you better not forget God. You hear me? You better not sell your soul out to the devil. You better not allow yourself to be so consumed with the things of this world, the luster and the lights and the glimmer and the, the sounds of this world until you forget what it takes to get to this prepared place. Because I'm going to tell you something. Those that are there are those that kept the faith. <laughs> those that Paul said, I have finished my course. I have fought the fight. I have kept the faith. Henceforth. That's, a, that's an old English term. But really what he was saying is, therefore, it's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. 
which I'm going to inherit. And just ad-libbing, you know what he says? Not for me only, but for all. For all who finish the race and who run.